but that's a light also that's beyond light and dark. That's uh, the primordial light. That's the, the light of being, you know, pure existence. So I think um, that's like a fundamental form of zikr is this meditation. And that's, um, you know, maybe we can talk about it some more at the end, uh, maybe when more of us are on. And um, because, you know, as we know, the Quran throws up these really intense verses like the first ones in, in, in Surah Nur. And, you know, about flogging people who've been sexually, um, you know, without boundaries or strict boundaries. And so, of course, in our society, where we've had sexual liberation and, and all of that, I mean, it seems like, you know, just been out of the Stone Age. Um, I would say that it also comes from that particular Muslim society, the very small group where, you know, what we would think of as, um, let's say, not considered relations are not formalized relations, not sanctified relations could be um, produce chaos in the society. And, and I think that's a, a very uh, important way to look at it. It's different, you know, of course, we could say in our time where we don't even know who's doing what and all of that, but relations were so specific and so defined that, um, yeah, that it could have been very destructive, those kind of, you know, uh, um, how do you say, under, under the table kind of relationships. So, and it does point to more consciousness in the sexual sphere. And I think it's, it's good for us to hear that. Actually, not the punishment side, really, but the... Um, you know, the side of, of counsel that I think it's very important for youth, for all of us to recognize, of course, we know what a power sexuality is. Uh, it's a divine power. It's a divine grace. And, you know, it's a union. It's, it's actually a, a metaphor and, and an experience, actually, of divine bliss and union. And so, as such, it has to be treated even more carefully uh, than, let's say, e eating or some, which is also, of course, you could say a, a, a divine gift and, and form of, of intimacy, eating itself. And, but the sexual relationship is very, very, very near to divine union. So, um, I think that we should look at it that way in that surah, which, which begins with that intense warning and, and, and recommendation. Um, so it's good to reconsider um, as all the things that we're reconsidering at this time in society, whether it's relations to each other, relations to the earth, uh, caretaking, um, you know, food distribution and uh, income distribution, all of these things, we should also look at, you know, sexual relations. And 
Um, we just went through the sexual revolution not so long ago, so we everyone feels oh all liberated. Well, you know it it has many many harmful consequences, and um, it you know I don't need to go into those in detail, but it's not it's not all great. We think just being free is just the greatest, you know, that's sort of our ethos. But well, particularly me, I brought up in that era of the 60s, that you can just do what you want, uh, be free, just express yourself and use all your, you know, whatever's here on earth and use it for your pleasure and benefit. And um, I mean, that kind of thinking obviously leads us into a dead end. And so, you know, I think removing the, the punishment part of those verses, but retaining the, um, the, the serious counsel uh, part, I think is, is good. And, and uh, we should be more considerate and uh, with each other, with ourselves, with the gifts that Allah has given to us. And so I, I just want to say those words because they, it was kind of shocking uh, those those first verses, but for a good reason, I guess, you know. Anyway, but obviously the gist of it, the, the heart of that surah, the heart of Quran is is in, in the surah of light. I mean, one of the, the most essential aspects of the Quran is that surah of light. But it's surrounded by, you know, the, 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 the thorn bed of, you know, spiritual, you might call it chastening or something like that. Okay, that's good. That That's kind of what I want to say about that topic. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillah ar-Rabbin ar-Rahim Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki yawmidin Iyaka nabudu wa iyaka nasta'in Ihdina sarata mustaqim Sarat on a dinner and tanay him. Guide on luck to be a lay him what I do. It strikes me as we offer the Fatiha how blessed we are. You know, we just read about Solomon, how blessed he was, what, and he gave thanks for the gifts bestowed on him and on his parents. And he asked Allah to make him grateful. So we should do the same because we are the inheritors of all of those prophets, all of those messages. And it just struck me now as we were saying the Fatiha, how blessed we are to have, have the Fatiha to recite for ourselves and our families and others. And, um, you know, and I, as I was reciting it, I was looking also in my room, <clears throat> there's some, um, a picture of uh, the Guadalupana, and there's the calligraphy of Muhammad, there's Sheikh Torners. We are so richly endowed. We are the inheritors of all of these prophecies, all of the prophets. So, my God, mashallah, alhamdulillah. That's really all we have to do is just be grateful and, and praise and, and give thanks and inshallah you know, spread the good word of, of um, just of, of gratitude. And if we're grateful, others will become grateful. 
whatever is in our hearts will spread. I, I, I know that. Um, so, you know, if there's something, um, I mean, also rich, also beautiful is the prayer of Abraham. Uh, but Solomon's so glorious, and it's so interesting to see how he contrasts with, with Pharaoh. You know, because Pharaoh is the epitome of the earthly um, self-proclaimed God and um, who reversed everything, who, who acted godlike and, and who could not accept the truth, even though it's interesting, according to Ibn Arabi, Rahmatullahi, he knew it's not that he was ignorant. He knew uh, who Moses was. He knew uh, his, you know, in whose name he came, but he couldn't for his own arrogance and pride accept him. And, um, and then we have Solomon, who is, of course, given all the, given a kingdom, it says that no other being had received and for which he does not have to give account. He will not have to give account for any of the favors he received. So what a bestowal. And yet he was a, a prophet. So it shows that it's not earthly wealth that keeps one from Allah, even though it's, it can be a, a test, just as extreme poverty is a test. Extre you know, uh, overly abundant wealth is also a test, but it held by the one who is um, a complete believer in, in, in a rasul, it, um, it becomes then a, a bounty and a blessing. So interesting. I mean, so interesting. All these in that beautiful little section with the ant where he smiles, you know, how touching that the least of cre the creatures in his kingdom or one of the least, um, he overhears because he had that ability Allah gave him to hear and understand the speech of, of creatures that it... In, it touched him. It shows how, in a way, um, humble he was, that he, he took her seriously. And she was a prophet to her own people, of course, because she gave them very good advice. So the ants, everyone has a prophet, all the creatures. So, um, yeah, what, I don't know. It's, so these are some of the more, you would say, really glorious and beautiful aspects of the Quran after we pass through the, the thorns and the fires and <laughs> we come to very, very touching parts. Part of our reading was on the servants of Rahman. It gave a, a description. And that was in, in Surah 25, um, <clears throat> which is um, right there. And so it's interesting. In Fulton, we is the, you know, the light of being able to discern, of discernment and kind of intelligence, that it, it gives a description of those who are the servants of Rahman from 63 to 76. Very, very beautiful and touching. Servants of love. Those who lovingly serve the source of love walk gently on this earth 
responding humbly even to foolish or aggressive words with the dignified salutation, peace be unto you. These servants of divine love often spend the entire night in prayerful prostration and meditation dedicated to the ever-present source. They pray continuously, Most precious Allah, please deliver all humanity from the final chastening, the experience of your beautiful radiance as consuming fire, that most terrible station along the way of purification. These most loyal and devout servants of love share generously, but never indiscriminately, whatever spiritual and earthly abundance is granted them by the source of love. Their surrendered lives of constant giving are graceful and harmonious. They never rely upon any power other than the source of power, nor do they transgress the principles of reverence for life revealed through the noble prophets by the source of life. These lovers are never promiscuous with their love, for that is turning away from the source of love. When any negation of love becomes chronic, it must be purified by divine chastening on the day of truth. As for those who repent their negation immediately by reaffirming the source of love, thus aligning their entire lives with divine love, their careless actions of the past will be annulled by Allah Most High, and their being will become completely filled with goodness. The fundamental attribute of Allah is tender mercy. His forgiveness is absolute. Whoever repents negative thoughts or actions and demonstrates this by faithfully following the holy way of life turns around once more towards the source of love and is truly transformed. The servants of love are not involved in the least with human negativity. When they encounter empty talk or derision, they ignore it, ignore it with quiet dignity. When they encounter the, the demonstrations of love that flow constantly from the source of love, they are awake and sensitive, free from spiritual deafness or blindness. These servants pray joyously, Most precious Allah, you have blessed us with spouses and children who are a wonderful refreshment to our being. May we be pure channels of love for all those who wish to turn toward the source of love. For their patient and enduring service of love, these humble servants will be exalted to the highest regions of paradise, deep within divine light. They shall be welcomed there by Allah Most High with the supreme salutation, Peace be unto you, and they will experience the sublime goal of the spiritual path, Allah's own perfect peace. Alhamdulillah. Wow. How, how beautiful. Yeah, how beautiful, how touching. This is a meditation, you know. And it's, it's already beautiful even in the, you know, traditional translation, but it becomes sublime in the, in the heart of Quran and in, in, in Noor's, you know, language, which at that point isn't even Noor's. I mean, on that level, you know, Noor is no longer Noor. <laughs> he becomes himself like a, a voice, a divine voice. And isn't it amazing that in, in the heart of Quran, we, those, even the, the 
the chastening and all of that becomes acceptable. And because I think it's, it's, there's so much love there. And so what sometimes doesn't come through in the more academic or traditional translation of Quran is the, the tremendous love, you know, divine love. But when a, a saint of love like Noor uh, expresses it or, or speaks it and, and phrases it, you know, uh, in that inspired language, it's how can we say no to love? And we know as it's love, then, you know, all, all is right, all, all, all is well, all is true. So, alhamdulillah, really, how, how marvelous. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so true. This is such a blessing. And that's such a blessing that we pass this time, you know, where illness is, is, is there and that we pass this time in our homes in uh, contemplation of, of Allah and of Quran and of ourselves, you know, how beautiful. Yeah, I feel that this was a lesson shown to you, as you said, it was like a, almost like a, a story in Quran to learn from, a sign. Uh, yes, that we have to, this is another place in our lives that we have to be so careful. Uh, and, you know, just as we are with our physical bodies, as we were speaking earlier, to be careful also with our arazak, our food. And um, inshallah, there will be ways to also share food and send a, a little money to a, a local food pantry. Maybe you, you find one. And then, of course, to know how precious food is. If you think, and you're right, we throw away food. And certainly in this country, so much is wasted. Um, how long it takes for something to go from a seed, even to become a seed, the preparation, then to go from a seed in the earth. The, if you think of the rain, the soil, the sun, the caretaking, the farming, the growth of this plant, and then, um, you know, transported, you then brought into a store and then bought the money spent to buy it and all of that, you know. So yes, we have to be more, more careful. And of course, any waste. And then of course, the greatest waste is the waste of human life, you know. Um, when, when life itself of a human being is wasted, even worse. Um, maybe through neglectful upbringing or bad education or society that isn't caring enough for its members and all the ways human life can be um, thrown away or, or throwing away our own. That's even worse, of course, because we're responsible for our own life uh, to a great degree. You know, this is why we need networks, first of all, just in our own community, Wow, how rich, do you see how rich? But it's so, I mean, there's, it can't compare reading the Quran really by yourself and reading it with a community uh, as we are. It's, it's um, because we are the living Quran, we are. So we need to, and by reading this Quranic text of words and um, that living Quran in ourselves becomes alive and, and highlighted and, and we become those, you know, people in Quran. So alhamdulillah.
I mean, that those are all very mystical passages. And you, you notice when she comes that uh, he, she says, you know, uh, I have received knowledge before this and I have already submitted to Allah, I think, Lord of the world, she says, when she sees her throne and he asks her, is this your throne? Uh, and she answers correctly, it was like this, meaning, you know, it was transported, so it, it's not exactly the same throne, it's, but it was like this. So that shows um, already a level of knowledge um, of the, of the mu'min. But then when she steps into the palace and she thinks it's water, to me, and you know, this again, we should check with Ibn Arabi, that will be interesting, but it's the one who takes the appearance for reality. So maybe there he is um, introducing her to uh, mystic knowledge to show, you know, maybe that this world is uh, like a, a sign itself, it's an ayat, it's an appearance and it, it's not the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is the one from whom it comes, the source of it. So, and that's interestingly enough, when she said, I submit to Allah with Solomon, when she actually, you know, that's the first time she says that, I, I submit my soul with Solomon, and we should have the exact wording of it, but uh, basically where she accepts the prophet, where she accepts that, the you know the guy the teacher so uh yeah that's a you're right to have it, it is a, a fascinating mystical passage bilkis yeah 